Welcome to the Defiant Spirit, a podcast about discovering meaning, purpose, and resilience in the most challenging, difficult, and darkest moments of our lives through what my teacher and mentor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, called the defiant power of the human spirit, that spirit that is within you, that spirit that is calling to you, that spirit that is you. I'm Dr. Baruch Halevi, and this is the Defiant Spirit, and now, on to our podcast. So welcome back to the Defiant Spirit and Wealth 360, where I, Baruch Halevi B, partner with my good friend, Michael Feiner, and we bring together the Enneagram and living life through the Enneagram, and particularly with Michael's expertise through wealth. What's happening, Michael? Not too much. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for doing this and giving an overview of the Enneagram for Wealth 360. Yeah, it's important to um, just have the fundamentals of the Enneagram. The Enneagram, for those of us, uh, those just joining us, is an ancient personality assessment, but really kind of a roadmap of just basic principles of personality and and boiling them down to Ennea, which means nine, and gram is a picture. So in front of you, if you're if you're tuning in at least um, YouTube visually, you can see it. Otherwise, you can jump over to defiantspirit.org and, and see it for yourself. But um, nine basic numbers, nine basic types, and we have those on the screen, and we're just going to walk around this circle today and talk about them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Thanks for doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know you're using this more and more with your um, office staff at Finer Wealth, and we're now talking about it, trying to bring benefits to you know your clients to help them have another resource or tool to navigate life, navigate their wealth. But these um, basic principles apply whether you're interested in you know finances, whether you're interested in relationship, whether you're interested in just you name it. Um, these nine kind of principles or types can, I think, help you navigate life more clearly. So let's start at the uh, very top right-hand side, number one. So Enneagram number one, um, just so everybody knows, there's no agreed upon name for these. So, you know, Michael, I'm sure you've heard other names, but these are sort of the most popular names, but the name isn't so important. It's really what's behind the name, what's behind the number that's important. So for those of you listening, in our system, we call it the reformer. Um, in other in other systems, it's called the perfectionist. Um, have you heard any other names out there, Michael? You're starting to become a student. I think I, I sort of remember the perfectionist and the reformer, and think of it as people who follow, you know, systems and rules, and seek yep. seek perfection. Right. Yeah, it doesn't really matter what you call it. Like I said, it's really you name you named it. It's. Um, an adherence to systems, to rules, um, order. You just described all that. And the re one of the reasons why I think reformers become more popular is because it was perfectionist has a negative connotation, right? You call somebody a perfectionist. It's not necessarily a compliment. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I suppose. I suppose that has taken on sort of this obsessive compulsive, I guess, connotation, but yeah. it does. It does uh, make certain sense um, to me. 
so reformer is a more of a proactive kind of a repairing the world of making our situation, our circumstances, our, our organization better. So the reformer is um, really built upon principles. And when you meet somebody who's a reformer, I have a son who's an, an Enneagram one reformer. Um, and by the way, we start dropping the names, I think, after a while, because we get really comfortable with more of the number versus the name. So the one is built on principles. And when you meet somebody who's really in alignment with their values, with their principles, it's hard. You know, it's like um, it was said about pornography. It's hard to describe, but you know it when you see it, right? That's true with most of these numbers. You, you know when you meet a one because you can just feel they're principle driven. I'm sure you have a lot of people in your life, Michael, especially in military who are ones. As you said, you know, I have a lot of people who I work with at the officer are ones and a lot of people who in the military are, are, are clearly ones. So I'm clearly attracted to ones. That's why you've taught me about ones. I couldn't believe how many ones I have in my life until you pointed it out. Threes and ones um, go hand in glove. Um, they need each other. And we can talk about that when we get to three. But And sometimes threes, especially your subtype, self-preservation, which we're not going to talk to today, um, are sort of confused with ones. You even you dress like a one for anybody watching, right? Michael's dressed like a three <laughs> or a one, I, you know, either way. Uh, sure. That's what I like about B. He can relate the Enneagram to every, every dressing my music, the movies I like, <laughs> the food I eat, the car I drive. I mean, he, he, he's a the grandmaster of, of this, but that's why it's so powerful because you're right. I'm, I'm very um, rule, rule bound by how I, how I dress thinking that 30 years ago when I graduated from college, I said, yeah, you have to wear a suit to work. Of course, I'm, I'm the only person who ever wears a suit to work anymore, but that was the rule back then, and I can't seem to break the rule. Well, some rules shouldn't be broken. And then, you know, you can hang out with me as an Enneagram age, and I'll teach you the ones to break. So we'll okay. uh, together. But, yeah, but one really needs that structure, that order. We're just going to talk about the the best qualities of each one because each one has shadows as well. But um, that that is really the Enneagram one. Principles, values, integrity, order, structure, and changing the world, making it a better place. Without ones... We, we just could not exist. Enneagram two, the next door neighbor, we usually move around the circle clockwise. Um, Enneagram two, the helper. Describe to us a little bit about the helper, because I know you have a few of these in your life as well. Well, I think the helper in many ways is self-explanatory. Is that person who is always available to assist in, is that people, is it sort of providing service to people? And, um, I do have also, I found a lot of people in my life and business who are helpers, not only reformers, but helpers. And I guess that makes sense in a business like ours, where we are a customer service oriented business and, you know, helping people that you do, you do need some of that for sure. You do. You want in a, in a financial business like Finer Wealth, you definitely want ones because it's compliance right? And when you're dealing with money, details matter. Um, and then two is that service, like you said, Michael, that that um, they're, they're built on relationships. At the end of the day, you know, I think of each number having its sort of oxygen that with mm -hmm. it, it can breathe and live. And without it, there's just no reason 
to be. And for twos, it's relationships. Um, just, you know, a little shout out to somebody who used to work very closely with you, Rita. Anybody who's been involved with um, Finer Wealth has met Rita, who um, is the admin, and she's just the quintessential too. So nurturing and loving, and you just feel it when you call. That 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 is funny that you say that. We probably could put Rita's picture. She's now retired, but she was the consummate, you know, if I, if I arrived at the office at seven in the morning, she was already asking me what I wanted for lunch Yes, to make sure everyone was taken care of and everyone was helped. Always concerned. We all, we all need a Rita in our lives at work, in our homes. We, you know, our, our oftentimes our, one of the parents is oftentimes a two or so um, really just nurturing. You, you know it when you're in the presence because they make your presence central and important. So Enneagram to the helper, sometimes called the nurturer, the giver, but it really all gets to that same loving place. So one, two, and now Michael's, I would say favorite, but in some ways I think it's your least favorite, Enneagram three. The achiever. Yeah, right. This is your core well, type. It is, I guess it's my, it's, it's, it's my core type three, you know, people who seek um, achievement and, and effectively getting things done, um, which has its pros and its cons, as you've taught me. And <laughs> it's nice to know now, you know, behind the scenes of why this is so important, aside from the fact that you're describing everything so beautifully as to what each of the nine types are, to understand what type I am helps me sort of understand my motivations of why I'm doing things. And it helps me balance things a little bit more. You know, we're talking right now about the kind of the positive or the light side of each one. Each one also has a dark or shadow side. And as our listeners are going through this with us, I think one of the ways to discover your number, I mean, you can certainly take a test and I offer a pretty high level test, but you can also just listen for what I call the ick factor. Which one of these numbers, and we haven't gotten into the ick side of each of them, makes you go, ick, that hits a little too close to home. And, you know, when we talk about three, I hear the positives because I'm not a three. A three is achiever. It's accomplishment. It's efficient. It's get things done. Michael, you oftentimes describe it with the ick factor because I think it hits home for you, right? Because you know the shadow sides of getting things done. Well, like you said, as soon as... What you've taught me about the three, which I unfortunately never, I wish I realized earlier, um, because it's my default Enneagram type, that anytime anything hits me, I'm constantly trying to think about how to get something done as the next step. And that may not necessarily be the best way to approach issues all the time, right? Anything that hits, oh, the hurricane hit Florida? Oh, how do we clean up the hurricane? Might be my first thought. That may not be the best idea or reason. I'm always trying to provide a solution to a problem, even if a problem doesn't exist. And that's my natural reaction to things. And I'm glad you've learned that because now it's given me the other thing that you've taught me is to, in that space between, um, you know, the reaction, right, mm -hmm. that I can choose to respond instead of react. So that's right. It's very um, helpful. You know we, we need threes to come into Florida or disasters or whatever and show up because they get it done. They're efficient. They're effective. But 
the shadow side can be like you just said we sometimes miss the human emotional component because emotions aren't efficient right and threes are efficient so now however and we're going to move on but I talked to one of your clients who uh, will remain nameless, although she wouldn't mind if I used her name. And she said she's surprised that Michael's a three because she knows the Enneagram. And she said, you know, when I talk to him, he's so emotive. He's so he connects with me at a feeling level. So we're not bound to these numbers. They're just our default. And then we got to kind of work to move beyond them. And that's that's the growth that you're talking about and that you're you're committed to. Well, and. In that case, you've taught me that the, say, the person that I'm dealing with is not a three like me. So I have to learn a different language to communicate with people, which is my biggest takeaway from from why we're even talking about the Enneagram uh, is that um, you have to talk and you taught me to talk in the language of who I'm speaking to instead of talking the language that I'm thinking about it. That's right. That, that's exactly right. That's why we would be using this in a business. I mean, it's, you know, it's got some spiritual, some deeper emotional, psychological qualities. But at the end of the day, it, it's a communication device to help us see the lens through the lens of another person. Because I just can't know what a two is like until I really understand them and study it and then can connect with them on their terms and their language. And that's that's why we why we're using it with your clients and in your office. So yes. So Enneagram four moving on. And again, this is 30,000 foot or higher view. We're just touching so that we have a reference point for anybody who's just joining us to go back to and just get familiar with the names. The Enneagram four, the individualist, um, sometimes called the romantic, the artist, the creative, the expressive. It is kind of the quintessential artist type. They see themselves as an individual. They are unique. They really they need to feel unique. Um, they need to express themselves in a unique way. Any, anything you want to add to the individualist? No, I think it's, it's self-explanatory in many ways. Like you said, when I think of the artist, when I think of, you know, um, Monet or, you know, people who are rock stars or people who can create some of these amazing things, right? They're just creative. I just think of it as, is that a creative? Four is a creative also, yes. correct? Yeah, I would say four and seven, which we'll get to, are the most creative types in the Enneagram. Um, we know the one isn't creative, especially the way I dress, right? That's my, I think one is my second thing. One's dressed like, you know, uncreatively. Um, well, it's interesting. I, mean, I don't have hard data, but I do have anecdotal stuff around in finance, for instance, there aren't many fours for because finance, you know, doesn't really allow for so much creativity, some, but that's not the default. Is that fair to say? Well, like you said, I, I, I'm around a lot of ones and twos. I don't have as many threes, fours yeah. in my life. Some threes, of course. So it is amazing that they're bunched together. Um, some some eights and nines, as you know, too, in my life. And that top, I have a lot of top part of the Enneagram at the bottom. And, you know, that someone came in to do some painting in my office recently, and they're like, hey, what color do you want? And I felt, I felt like anxiety, even thinking about a paint color, because that's just not in my, my bandwidth. I'm just, I must have a hard stop between the three and the four where other people who I, I called, who I know, my, my mom is kind of a, you know, partial four, 
she sent over 26 different paint choices with in, in furniture selections I didn't ask for, but her nature is, you know, art and creativity. So it is interesting for sure. Well, what you'll notice on the Enneagram is oftentimes juxtaposing the numbers or the, the neighboring numbers are almost yin yang, almost opposite. So three is the least emotive, three and five, but four is by far the most emotive. And so you really have these kind of tensions um, that they need each other. They hold each other in balance. So three can draw from this four and really grow and vice versa. Fours need the structure and the efficiency of threes. But that is the four, the quintessential artist expressive. Enneagram five, next door neighbor. The four and the five are the most withdrawing types. They pull back because they the fours go into emotion and really self-exploration through emotion. Fives, the investigator, the thinker, the analyst, go inwards into thought. So whereas fours can lose themselves in feeling, fives really go deep into thinking. Enneagram five, what do you say about fives? I think, you know, I, I always think of Warren Buffett or, you know, that mm -hmm. Elon Musk, the type of real deep thinking people who are not just smart. I mean, every part of the Enneagram can be smart, but these are truly people who uh, enjoy the intellectual pursuits, probably reading, thinking, analyzing above all else. And um, I, I, my son is, as you know, is he has some, a lot of five in him. And I see that because he's like the master Jeopardy champion. He just loves that type of thing. It's again, it's their oxygen thinking. Um, it's, it's how they navigate the world. I think about a bat and um, it's called echolocation or sonar, right? It bounces, it's blind, blind as a bat, but it bounces sound off of objects. Well, each type does the same thing with their superpower. And for fives, it's thinking, it's how they process. And you know when you're with a five because they don't rapid fire, right? They are much quieter because they're processing. They're much slower because they're processing. It doesn't mean they're slow. It means that their operating system just really goes deeper into the subject matter than us, you know, sevens or sixes or whatever other types are. So fives are deep thinkers and they master knowledge. They just have a grasp on it. Warren Buffett. Exactly. Um, so that's the Enneagram five, the investigator, the thinker moving over to six. And, and we'll come back at another time and talk about the triads where you get into there's head types, there's heart types, there's gut types. But for now, we'll stay at the surface of six and um, it's called the loyalist, sometimes called the loyal skeptic. It's got the most extreme spectrum. On the one extreme is this really loyal, devoted piece. And on the other extreme is this very fearful, anxious piece, which can go hand in hand. But the sixes are really the hardest to, to label. Enneagram six. What do you want to say about sixes? Yeah, I find the sixes almost the most interesting Enneagram uh, in maybe the hardest to understand sometimes the six. Maybe that's a good way to put it too. It seems like a lot of people that I know may be sixes and they tend to, you know, like being part of, of, of group thinking and group thoughts and, and, and stuff like that. And they tend to be very skeptical sometimes intellectually. Mm 
So, and they can be challengers and kind of like the eight sometimes on the way things are going. So I find that one the most, uh, is it interesting or perplexing or hardest to understand, honestly? Well, I think that's absolutely true because when I can't type somebody and I don't you know, like typing people, but to help them find their, locate their numbers so they can do this work. Sixes are the ones who are usually either mistyped or they, they don't want to commit to a type or they hit on many types because again, that six spectrum is very wide. It's probably a large percentage of the population. There's a natural following quality, not in a bad way. We, you know, we need people to follow, to fill up the churches, the synagogues, to vote, to participate in, you know, the bureaucracy. We need people to perpetuate the systems so they can really adapt and blend in and just kind of look like, you know, remember back, I forget which election it was, but Joe the plumber, right? Oh, yeah. Average. Is he, a, average you know. is he a six? Well, he must be, because it just sounds like a name you give, you know, Right. A quality person behind the scenes who just really makes Joe systems the, work. Yeah. Joe the plumber. Um, so we'll come back to six. You know, when you're around a six, oftentimes because there's questions, 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 questions. bombard you with questions. So that's that's the six, the loyal but skeptical, challenging type. All right, three more to go. Enneagram seven. Enneagram seven is probably everybody's favorite. The enthusiast. The I forget what, there's a couple other names for them, but they're just fun. They're lighthearted. They're upbeat. They're optimists. That's another name for it. What do you know about the sevens, my friend? No, I think you're you're right. The people that I know who, if you said to me, if you want to go somewhere and do something fun or have a good time or that type of thing, that this is the person you want to you want to do that with. You want a seven on a road trip. You want a yeah. seven plan of the party. Right, that no matter what's happening, that you could you could be going through the hurricane, they're cracking a joke or having fun, or let's, you know, let's do something crazy, you know, in in the hurricane, right? Yep, and we'll get to the shadow side of all of these someday. But uh, you know, sometimes they're accused of not going deep enough, though they're incredibly deep once they do the work and choose to defy their number. But you know, at the surface level, they tend towards the lighter side of life. You really know when you're around a seven, they're great joke tellers. They're just energetic, fun people. So Enneagram seven. All right. Now everybody's least favorite. You think you have a bad rap as a three. We eights probably have the worst rap of, of them all. The challenger, the, um, what's the other names I've heard? The controller, right? The boss, bossy. So that's eight. Tell me about the eights. No, I think you know, having having been in the military, I think I've been around a lot of a lot of eights, and I, I suspect eights are people who like to be in charge. You know, you always find the person in the platoon when you're a soldier or in the group that is either a natural leader or who wants to be in charge of things. Mm-hmm. Not that everyone can't be a leader or has some proclivity toward it, but there's always that one or two who definitely want to be in control and charge and run things. So I think, like you said, if you're around an eight, you know it. You do. They're strong presence for better and worse. There's a huge spectrum. I mean, I think half the world's dictators have been eights, but some of the greatest leaders like Martin Luther King and Winston Churchill have been eights. 
So, right. you know, in each of these types, there's the basement and there's the penthouse. There's the, <laughs> the, the ugly side and the beautiful side. And there's a real distinction between the high functioning and the low functioning eights for sure. Um, it comes from a place of wanting to control because we live in a world where, you know, there's not a lot in our control and things like hurricanes hit or, or stock markets crash. And, you know, eights are the ones who really step in and just take over. Now, with that said, and I don't want to go too deep into it, eights can give over their power, their control, and they can be great followers as long as they know the person who they're following has got this and they know what they're doing which is how I've aligned with you because an eight needs probably a strong eight or a strong three to take over their finances. And that's what you say to me. I got this B you're good. And I feel that. Well, you also taught, and I know this isn't this session, but the connection between some of these numbers, you know, there's a direct link in certain types here mm -hmm. that are natural for, for, for the, for these reasons. And that, mm -hmm. that'll be a great discussion for another time. Yeah, each one has two lines coming out of it, and it's really kind of a, a balancing, you know, agent so that you can draw upon different numbers to really kind of get back to a healthy balance. Um, so we're going to definitely hit on that. And last but not least, everybody's most peaceful. Uh, everybody agrees this is the most peaceful type, the peacemaker. Enneagram nines are a pleasure to be around. Um, Enneagram nines exude a sense of harmony, peace. They unify. They really are just pleasant people. And I know, Michael, you have quite a few nines in your life. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I knew I had some nines. I was surprised to find how many, not just nines, nine may have not been the number one Um number in the analysis but it could be in the top two or three which is something that's interesting uh you know for the people who are um one maybe it's peacemaking but also unity they they crave unity um in in an operation so it's it is very interesting it's also interesting because as i remember um your last place number was nine it was like a single digit number and well, it, it's funny that you say that, because when we talk about me being a three, three in the triangle, three, six and nine are, are together. Right. That, that, that's the triangle that I'm connected to. I'm a three, six, nine triangle, which I never understood. Then you gave me the test and I was highest in three and lowest in nine. And you said those were the two opposites. And I was like, wow, this I couldn't believe it, that the system after I answered the thousand questions that I had to do. It, it came up with my lowest was nine and my highest was three. And these things were actually connected. And I think six, I was in the middle or something or a little lower end. Like, wow, there's something to this ancient mathematical system that they got me exactly right. Like I have trouble with being a peacemaker. It's my weakness. Yes, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It's based on mathematics. It's not opinion. It's not like, oh, I'd like to be this, but it's, this is how, you know, if you have a battery, you have a plus and a minus and they hold each other in check. They're just these basic principles. Well, three and um, nine really hold each other in check. And so you, you're right. You're highest three, your lowest nine. And our work, we'll wrap up with this, is to defy the order. 
to work harder on bringing the nine to the top and maybe bringing three down because those are our, you know, go-tos. And we got to develop the whole arsenal, not just lean on one number, one strategy. So that's the work. Well, I think this was a really good introduction to the uh, the Enneagram. What do you think? No, thanks for doing this. And it's it's exciting to use this as, as a little bit of a base. We're going to just keep plugging away. This is for your reference to our viewers or listeners to really just get a sense of the names of the Enneagrams. Again, a very high level introduction to the Enneagram type, the energy, the basic patterns. Stick with us because we're just going to keep going deeper and deeper so that you can rise higher and higher using this in real ways out there in your real life. Until the next time, I'm with Michael Feiner. You can learn more about Michael over at Feiner.com. I'm Baruch B. Halevi, and you can learn more about me at DefiantSpirit.org. And we will see you as you defy your number and live your spirit. See you next time. Thanks, Michael. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Defiant Spirit Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Baruch Halevi. The Defiant Spirit is an offering of Soul Center to Center for Spirituality, Meaning, and Healing. And if you'd like to learn more about the Defiant Spirit or Soul Center, get more inspirational content, access to a variety of online programs, or see how we might work together to discover deeper meaning in your life, greater purpose for your life, or live the Defiant Spirit power within your life, visit defiantspirit.org. Until then, keep living your defiant spirit.